Identification of a person of interest involved in a murder is not a simple task. CCTV footage is often used, but can lead to miscarriages of justice with people being misidentified and convicted of crimes they did not commit. Eyewitness statements are used in 20% of crimes, but 75% of false convictions are caused by inaccurate eyewitness statements. In the 1950s, Identikit was created for US police forces and involved laying clear strips with features on top of each other until you made a face the eyewitness agreed with. The PhotoFit system, based on a similar premise, was created by the UK authorities in the 1970s. But e-fits are recognisable to most. Drawings created by trained police sketch artists whilst interviewing the witness. Not only was the e-fit involved in this week's case really bad, it managed to help by drawing attention to the murder. This is the case of Joanna Hayes, and this is Murder Me on Monday. Hello everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Murder Me on Monday podcast. I'm Cameron, and joined with me is Mother. Hello. Quick shout out to our most recent Patreon supporter, Sher. The only other single names I can think of are going to be Madonna, Prince, Dracula, or just dictators. But regardless of that, you're better than everyone else because you support us on Patreon, which you can find in the description below. We post exclusive content as well as episodes in advance. And if you can't do that, you can just leave us a review saying we're two cool cucumbers. Now, I said all that part, I've done the housekeeping thing and I don't want to do it anyway. <laughs> Mother, tell us about the case. Sure, insulting the listeners. No, no, I didn't say they're, they're a dictator. They share the single naming convention. Uh, if I said if I said Bundy, you know what I'm talking about, or Kembo, you know what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's very easy. true. Very true. We have a mother-in-law from hell case. Very like episode 45, the Alison Orvin and Sonia and Damon Bamberg. You probably won't remember back that file, Cameron, but hopefully the listeners do. There are a number of documentaries about this case out there, but very little is known about our victim. We are off to a small place called Snellville in Georgia, which is about eight miles west of Atlanta, where Heather Suzanne Allen grew up and went to school. Heather was born on the 20th of April 1984, so would have been her 39th birthday this month had she lived. When she was in high school, she meets Stephen Straub. They start dating. Stephen's mother, Joanna, didn't like Heather from the start. She even tried forbidding him to date, but we know how that works. I don't think Heather's parents were too enamoured of him or his family, but they did try and get along, but Joanna wasn't one for family get-togethers with them, although there were multiple invites extended. May 2004, Heather married Stephen. Her grandfather officiated. He'd been a church minister for over 50 years. And in around 2007, they had a son together. Heather went to college, got a degree, did well for herself. She worked as a wedding coordinator and flower designer. So much so that as her business grew, she would employ the woman who became her mother-in-law to help. That she would deliver flowers all over the place. People might poo-poo that as a career, but the wedding industry is massive. Yeah, a lot of money in it. Mm. Stephen was frequently unemployed, but he would help out from time to time in Heather's shop. In his defence, there are other ways to support people. doesn't have to be financially. He could look after the kids. He wasn't a looker-after of children. I'm assuming he wasn't. Based, I mean, if he was, and if it was going well, we wouldn't be talking about him. 
I don't know about Stephen's background or what he was like as a person, but there are hints out there. Seems Heather may have been one of those trying to help save people. There is mention of her getting mixed up with him, but she believed that the best was always possible in people. But by the time their son came along, he had pleaded guilty to burglary and criminal damage to property and was sentenced to six years probation. Oh, oh, he... I think he meant he admitted that to her, not he'd actually just been caught for it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same charge, but I also found mention of what is obviously an ex-good friend of his, somehow or another securing a conviction against Stephen for making terroristic threats. Then in June 2008, he pleaded guilty to felony theft by receiving. So we would say receiving of stolen goods, wouldn't we? And he was sentenced to five years probation for that. By 2009, the marriage was done. Heather finds out that since day one, Stephen had been cheating, going as far as telling people he and Heather were not married and she was just an ex he had a child with. They'd been married for five years. He's saying she's a baby mama. Yeah. Not his wife. Yeah. Of five years. (laughs) Now, it's possible that Joanna may have set Heather up to find out that Stephen was cheating. Apparently, Joanna gives Heather a receipt for some jewellery that Stephen had bought her, except he hadn't. That seems a bit mental, but also believable if Joanna didn't like her, doesn't it? And to be as charitable as possible, if your son has bought jewellery for someone, you're going to assume it's for the wife, your daughter-in-law? You are going to do that. Um, To be charitable, that's what you would think. Yeah, being charitable, but... I don't think it was. I think she knew. Mm. Oh, yeah, well, so do I. I don't know anything about her, but so I do as well. I can see her picture. I don't trust her. Now, remember I said Mess about me. Stephen and Joanna being at Heather's shop all the time. Well, Heather used to keep the baby with her there. He was a quiet, calm child. And it was her own shop, so she could do what she liked. But Joanna would often come into the shop and take the child out without asking. Sort of... Your baby is my baby, nutty grandmother mentality. And Heather eventually had to put a stop to it because she didn't know where they'd gone when she took her. The baby's been stolen. Basically, she didn't know if Joanna had taken everything that the baby needs. And they need a lot of... Even if that happens, you turn around and your baby's gone. You don't know where the baby's gone. It doesn't matter that it's been the grandmother's taken her. the, The baby just vanishes. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to beat about the bush here. Stephen does seem a bit of a deadbeat, to be honest. And fearing that she would be made bankrupt after the divorce, Heather closes her business and actually goes to work at another flower shop, which was actually owned by her own mother. So that sort of explains to me where her love of flowers and all of this... Well, she's already kind of in the industry, isn't she? Yeah. It kind of makes sense to have separate from your mother, you know, sort of finances, you can do your own thing. Why was she worried about going bankrupt? Did did she then want to close down the business so if they do get the divorce, he can't then... Yeah, that was... take. But that that doesn't work, does it? It could have done. Funnily enough, Heather managed to get Stephen to sign over custody of the baby to Heather, which would have meant that Stephen should have paid child support. But then he could have gone after her money from the business. Yeah, because it's the... Shared assets or whatever. It's, it's something like the income, how much the income has, in, has increased by the time they've been together. And if hers has gone up massively, then it kind of like goes to him. Yeah. 
kind of thing. Yeah, so it makes more sense for her to close it down and go and work for her own mother. She probably could have taken her clients with her. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? You're getting yeah. flowers. Yeah. Heather moves to a place called Covington, about 23 miles away. Fun fact, Covington, although again a really small place, was frequently used to film the TV series Vampire Diaries and the originals, which I actually watched that. I did like that series. Lots of places were mocked up to look like New Orleans or used because they did resemble New Orleans, but it's a very small town. Stephen seems to have been an only child. His mother, Joanna, was very much involved in his life. And as I mentioned, Heather would give Joanna work delivering flowers. They never got along. And by 2009, Heather was actually scared of Joanna. And Joanna really didn't like Heather. Joanna had moved to a place called Lilburn, 10 miles from Snellville. And this is where Stephen moved to with his girlfriend when his marriage fell apart. There's no mention of the girlfriend or what any part she had to play in any of what subsequently happened. There was a custody battle going on about the son. And Heather wanted to make sure that there were witnesses around when exchanging the child over for visitation with his father, Stephen. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Now, this custody dispute was bitter. They often are. Joanna accused Heather of handing the child over in a dirty nappy, and the child was generally dirty and grubby, according to Joanna. And in her eyes, that made Heather a bad mother, and she shouldn't have custody of the child. Her son should, even though he'd signed away his custody rights. Now, I have to say, a dirty nappy happens in seconds, and all kids are dirt magnets, so rubbish. Sunday, the 26th of April, 2009. That was very mother part of the podcast, by the way. Yeah. You were the dirt magnet. Used to get you out of the bath, put you in... Yeah, I'm straight straight in the bin and the mud. Yeah, Yeah. you you were. You were. Sunday, the 26th of April, 2009. Heather and Stephen agreed to meet in the car park of the Target in Snellville to hand the child over after the child had spent time with his father. Stephen hands the child over and drives off as Heather straps the child into his car seat. Is this a court-appointed shared custody type thing, or is this just something that Heather's allowing and letting the son see the father? Or is this specifically ordered by the courts? There is no... I can't answer that, honestly. I don't actually know. I don't actually know the answer to that one. I'm just wondering. Yeah. There's no, nothing into it. Witnesses later describe how a man marched up to the car and spoke to Heather, who turned around from seeing to her son. The figures are seen arguing and Heather tries to get into her car and calls out for help. The man then pulls out a gun, places it against Heather's forehead and shoots her. Feet away from her child, who no doubt could have seen all of this. Hoping that as he was only 18 months old, he wouldn't have any memory of seeing his mother die in front of him six days after her 25th birthday. There are a lot of witnesses and police immediately look at the CCTV footage. And again, another fun fact, apparently Target is the one place that police are relieved when there is a murder because their CCTV is so good and it covers so much. Do they sell guns? I'm I'm not saying that as a meme. I'm I'm genuinely thinking if they sell loads of guns, it makes sense. You're like, right, we need to have a camera at every six inches pointing at everything. I know Walmart do, or they used to. I don't know, I'm, I'm just guessing. No, no, but yeah, apparently Target is the place. Don't go and commit crimes in Target because their CCTV is that good. They can see that the figure that the witnesses have described with this rather distinctive walk 
leaving the car park and going around the side of the store to another car park for a hotel. The witnesses also tell the police that the man seemed to be wearing a really bad wig and fake moustache. And this is where this infamous e-fit comes from. Please check the Instagram for this because it's going to be posted. It is horrific. It looks like looks like someone tried to draw a cartoon character and they're thinking, right, what characteristics does this person, ha- person have? Really shit haircut and a moustache. I felt really bad when... I, I remember that. This is why everybody actually knew about this case. And I felt really bad when I found out why that e-fit was so bad. It was some poor local woman who had wanted to become a police sketch artist, drew it from the descriptions, gave it to the police, and they actually put the bloody thing out. Imagine you're a random guy and you get pulled in because you look like him. Yeah. You'd be offended, wouldn't you? <laughs> but what the fuck? I've just, I've just got a full fringe and a moustache. <laughs> Looks like he licked the light socket, bro. It's not good. The police go and tell Stephen that his wife has been killed seven hours after it happened. And no doubt it was all over the news. Stephen doesn't like the police much, but even his stupidity at lying to them about who he was initially was rather epic. He denied, oh, it's not me. I'm I'm not Stephen. Well, no, look, you're Stephen. We know it's you. And he expressed shock at Heather dying, but it's what he doesn't do that's very telling. He never once asked about his son. This is raised in court when a judge issued a temporary protective order banning Stephen from contacting his son or Heather's parents who were given temporary custody. There is also information that Stephen claimed he was earning $115,000 a year and was a vice president of a company. But when it's looked into, it's a company that he set up, probably because he couldn't get or hold a job or because of his criminal record. Don't think the court bought any of it. Oh, and to keep Stephen hot while they investigate, police drag him in for the parole violation and he's slung in jail for four months. Police find out that a witness had seen a white pickup truck parked near where the shooting had taken place. Parked in that hotel car park where they'd seen uh, that figure on the CCTV go round to. And when they rock up to tell Stephen about um, his wife Heather dying... They see one identical in the driveway. So they do a bit of check-in and it belonged to Stephen's mother. She she used the car. How hard is it to get a $300 beat-em-up thing that's come off just go around in a scrapyard? Apparently it was so distinctive that the witness was able to... It's like a bright yellow Jeep. Yeah, you can easily yeah. pick it out. Why not just drive some random clapped out car? I think it was an F100 pickup, a white one. To be fair, it's probably like the most sold vehicle in America, though. That, that's but it had it, it had some distinctive decals or something on it or beaten up on the side panels, and this witness was a- accurately able to describe them. By the August, police had interviewed Joanna twice. She's described as uncooperative. But we all know that if you do cooperate, you can end up in a whole lot bigger mess. So... I get why she wasn't. Police show Stephen the CCTV of the figure in the car park at Target. And he admits it looks like his mother. He recognised her walk. October. Oh, she didn't put the walk on? No. I'll be limping, doing all this kind of weird shit, looking like Quasimodo, don't look like me. I'll be hunched up. I'll have one platform shoe on. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? You would. October 2009. Joanna is arrested and charged with malice murder, felony murder, 
aggravated assault and possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. Her defence attorney asked for $50,000 bond, said she was a church-going homebody and would not be a flight risk. That was denied and she sat in jail. The police can't find the weapon, but they do find someone who later testifies to Joanna saying she can easily obtain a gun. She works on construction sites, doing what I have no idea. And she'd actually gotten three guns previously. And get rid of it, it's easy. She can file it down. She has a workshop behind her house. And then once she's filed it down, she's going to throw it into a lake. They also find her first husband, Stephen's father, who tells them she wasn't adverse to pulling a gun out on him. June 2010, there is another custody hearing. Seems Stephen had remarried by that time. Heather's parents tell the court that Stephen had never acknowledged Heather's death and had never expressed any sympathy to them for their loss. The court obviously didn't like that because it took until the December, but the court gave full custody to Heather's parents and Stephen was only allowed supervised visits. And I think it was something like two hours a month. It was really... Scraping the barrel, isn't it? Yeah. Any less than that, and you probably lose parental rights. Yeah. Something weird, isn't it? Mm. May 2011, the trial finally gets underway. Stephen recants his identification of his mother as being that person he saw in the video. Evidence is given to the court about how the authorities may not have found the gun or the wig, but they did find wig fibres in Heather's vehicle. They don't seem to have an evidence trail that Joanna bought a wig or a gun either, which is a bit of a problem. But they were able to discount Joanna's evidence that she was elsewhere. She handed over a receipt for buying some kind of junk food in another town and it was time and date stamped. And they couldn't get any CCTV of her being there. And even if it was real, they actually managed to work out that she would have had time to get to this target and kill Heather. So authorities also find gunshot residue in Joanna's vehicle. But the defence manages to get the expert to admit that those particles could have come from non-weapons, such as car batteries and nail guns. Remember, Joanna works in construction. Does she actually work in construction, though? Because I know you said that she worked in delivery, well, she was delivering flowers for Heather as well, but did she actually work in construction? Yeah, that's what it says on all the things. She could have just worked in the office. She could have been out on site and been a oh, labourer. Yeah, yeah. We I, I don't could, know. I could see how you can justify it, but I'm wondering, did she actually do that? Yeah. And it's hard. You need to prove otherwise, don't you? You've made the claim. You need to prove it. Oh, and Stephen's father, Joanna's ex-husband. Turns out, years later, he married Joanna's sister. So... Stephen's aunt is now his stepmother. I just, yeah. Joanna didn't testify. Witnesses changed their statements about the gun. They saw the defence is thinking she's getting off on this until two former cellmates of Joanna testified that she admitted to them what she'd done. The jury goes out to deliberate and then comes back and asks to re-watch a portion of the video of Stephen's statement to the police. They also listened to a portion of the recorded phone call between Stephen and his mother when Joanna was in the jail. 
Stephen tells his mother he believes it was her after seeing that surveillance video, the bit he recanted on the stand. 18th of May 2011. Joanna was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to life in prison. It was with the possibility of parole, but it was also restrictive. She had to serve five years of intensive probation. She cannot contact Heather's family, including her grandson, nor any of the witnesses except for her son and her ex-husband. I've got to ask a question about this because you, you mentioned it before. Joanna, the person who's been convicted of killing Heather. Yes. Her ex-husband has married her sister. Yes. And the son, Stephen. Yes. If the ex-husband, now brother-in-law, yeah, it would be a brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh. Had, had a child with her sister, what would that make it for Stephen? Would that be like brother-cousin-uncle thing? What is it? Whatever it is, it's some sort of t- television show. Yeah, it would make a very good television show. Uh, but I don't know, just call me uncle to be safe because I'm confused. What is that going on? What is that about? I don't know. I... I I know she looks like a meth fiend here in the picture that she's got. She's got a downturned smile. She looks like the fish from SpongeBob. That's a really unfortunate mugshot. It might. Got well, I don't care. That's that's what she looked like. And then the one next to it of her with the wig. That's worse. But I'm just like, what? What is this? What is this family doing? I, I. She looks better in some of the other court pictures. They cleaned her up and tidied her up a bit. Everyone's backwards. The only, the only normal one so far is the baby. Joanna will not be eligible for parole for 30 years. She'll be 77. Joanna appealed in 2013, and I get why. She claimed that the evidence was insufficient to support the conviction. Now, I think it's possible she may have been found not guilty if her moron of a son had not told the police it was her. I think it was that that swayed the jury. The rest of it was pretty much he said, she said kind of evidence. Nothing concrete at all. Those wig fibres could have come from a soft toy or something, surely. There there was no gun. It's a compilation of circumstantial evidence. I know. With motivation. I get what you're saying. There is no hard-cut evidence. There's no fingerprints on the gun, etc. But if you've got all these these compiling circumstantial evidence with the motive to do it, I, I can see where the jury went with it. I think it was the sun. I think it was oh yeah, yeah, and that as well. That's yeah. that's again, that's just an eyewitness type thing or an opinion, isn't it? That's given, and the jury's gone. Yeah, that makes sense. It's son had know his mother's walk. Well, you probably wouldn't, but some weird limp thing. Yeah. yeah. So that appeal was denied. I struggled with a, an opener for this one. The motive was just so insane. I thought, but doing the research, it's sadly not uncommon. It's always the grandmothers, and usually about the son's children. Although I did find more than one where the grandmother felt slighted, took the children and killed them. I mean, these people are batshit crazy. It's like, like some kind of do-over for them to have these grandchildren. It's bizarre. I don't get it. So you, you don't find it too uncommon for the grandmother to have killed the grandchildren? Yeah. I literally, I within seconds, I found three or four, five cases. And they're not all in America. That draws parallels to when a husband kills the wife and the kids as they see it as they've done wrong or they can't it's too shameful so they have to get rid of everything yeah. I've, I've fucked up so much I need to kill my family for, for whatever reason and it's not too dissimilar from that which is weird because it's men men are there's a thing about between who's more emotional men and women because yeah. women are more emotional in some sense but who are the most violent people it's men yeah. that's a form of emotion isn't it violence yeah. and aggression they tend to do the more violent crimes but then it's kind of odd for a woman to do the violent crimes especially a family killing like that it's kind of odd there's there's a weird sidestep thinking thing 
I, I don't get it either. I, and I agree with you. It's, it's an odd thing to actually discover that these women have taken it upon themselves to kill children that are, are biologically we, related to them. It's a weird emergent behaviour. It's odd. Grandparents' rights are not a thing in the UK either. They are a thing in America where you can sue, in certain places, you can sue for visitation. But that's not a thing in the UK. But hmm. Sadly, this may have all taken a toll on Heather's mother, who also passed away in 2014 at the age of 53. So that poor child has lost two mother figures, and Heather's father lost his daughter, his wife, and is now bringing up his grandson. There was... Um, Heather did have a younger brother, so hopefully that boy's got... He's, he's, he's got a sort of a household and yeah. nuclear thing. Yeah. And even though they'd moved away from Georgia, Heather's mother does seem to have been buried alongside her daughter from the, what I found, find a grave memorial site. Before we close, one tiny little what-the-hell moment I found hidden away. Joanna Hayes, name change from Straub because she had remarried. She had married a chap called Jack Hayes. She had filed for divorce from him in 2007. Get this. After he disappeared. That case was dismissed, the divorce case, as neither of them showed up. Well, Jack is missing. So why didn't she show up? Does she know where he is? At the bottom of a lake? Or what? What happens in that circumstance? If no one turns up for a divorce hearing... It's just dismissed. But are they then not divorced? No, nothing happens. It's just... So I guess she's not technically divorced then? No. But where's Jack? Oh, he's probably dead. He's probably in a ditch. But I'm just <laughs> I'm just wondering, she's then still technically married to him then? Yeah. That's okay. And I did wonder... Probably playing dress up somewhere else and forgot to go. <laughs> Practicing a limp. <laughs> I... I did wonder about insurance, you know, life insurance. But if you want to play it off as a genuine thing, you turn up to the divorce. Yes. Case so she- to be like, look, see, I'm doing everything normal that I'm supposed to do from yeah. my side. It's not me. Tee hee hee. Ignore the wig. But you can, uh, if someone's been missing for seven years, you can have them legally declared yeah. dead, or at least we can in the UK, and you could then claim on life insurance. If they turn up again, something happens to that, doesn't it? Doesn't it? There's people that have been lost at sea in like on some yeah. some sort of desert island with Wilson, whatever it's called, and they come back and the insurance company's like, hey, he's not dead, give me it back. And they're like, no, we bought a house. Some, some stuff happens with it. Well, there's a big fraud case that happened with a, a husband and wife. Depends how much money it is. If you're like, stay in that shed for seven years, I'll declare <laughs> you dead. You come out six months later, bosh. Did you reference Wilson? Wasn't that the football? Like, from, yeah, the, the reputable thing that Tom Hanks had sex with on, a, on an island. Oh, no, he? no, he didn't, but the, the, the character definitely <laughs> did. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that and I was so disappointed in the in the film. I just thought it was... I mean, yeah, it was a monologue Story, thing. Story, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, one thing, going back to the beginning when we talked about um, paperwork again, that Freedom of Information Act... This is going back a little way now. You yeah. I think you might com- need to give that more context. Yeah, that was the Glyn Dix case where he um, died in prison, where he'd killed his wife and dismembered her. And I'd found it hidden in the National Archives. And it should have been released in 2014. And I applied for a copy of this report. From where? National Archives. And it was locked down. And normally you'd get 
a response within seven to ten days. And I keep getting emails telling me that they are having to check this further. And I don't think I'm going to get a copy of this, and I don't know why. No, it's been a couple of months. Yeah, it has. And you keep asking and saying, oh, we don't know, we don't know. It seems kind of suspicious, and you don't know why it seems suspicious. It might not even be. It might be some weird clerical thing, but you don't know, and now you really want to know. He's dead. The victim's dead. They won't release papers if it could affect victims. So whether they are um, keeping it locked down for perhaps medical, re- you know, medical expert testimony... Or the family, it's. It seems weird when it's nine years ago now. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a very odd um, reason for it not to be released, and that is the end of this week's episode. And finally, the victim who should not be forgotten, Heather Straub, aged twenty-five. That's another podcast. Thank you very much for being with us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Murder Me Monday Podcast. Email us at Murder Me Monday Podcast. My Instagram's come come focus. Find the Patreon and the show notes below and all that good stuff. Like, favourite, those good things. We'll see you next time. Much love. Peace. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>